Hi, I'm Melody Hilton. And I'm Joel Hilton. And I'm Katie Stansfield. And we, I was laughing because we were not quite ready when we hit record, but we got there. So, um, yeah. Are we ever ready? I don't know. I don't know. We, we weigh I never so many ready. things. <laughs> I never feel ready. And then you ask me a question and I'm like, you can't shut up about it. So I guess I just need prodded a little bit, but. <laughs> Uh, well, today we're starting out with a question from a listener, uh, and the question has to do with social media. It says, what impact does social media have on the church? Is it an effective tool for building the kingdom or is it a hindrance? I think, yes. yes. <laughs> I think it is both of those things. <laughs> I think I, I'm getting more and more curmudgeonly about social media so um, I don't know if I want to start. <laughs> One of you guys have something. Well, I'll start with the fact that social media is amoral. It's not right or wrong. It's how it's used. Mm -hmm. So it's just like I go back and this is some of the history. When you get older, you have different experiences. I remember TV and it was like this evil thing. <laughs> And you do not get a color TV because if you watch a color TV, you will be sterile. Oh, my. Oh, crazy <laughs> things. The, the things, I mean, you were afraid to look at. I don't know how it works either. But I, like, I remember this as a little kid almost being afraid to watch TV because of all the bad things that could happen to you, but you wanted to watch that show or something. So at, and, at that time, TV made you sterile, but cigarettes were healthy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. You know, so you think, you know, the messages that come out there. When when you computers first came out, that was just like this is the terrible. This is like the mark of the beast, you know. Yeah. And and it's how not, many marks it's of not, the beast? Oh, it's not, not the mark of the beast. <laughs> and the internet. Oh, that was another <laughs> big thing. You know, even our cell phones. Everybody's hearing what's on our cell. You know, so we hear all these things, uh, and so. The body of Christ specifically, I don't think, has navigated innovation very well. Well, they did with the printing press. Oh, that's true. And that was a big innovation, wasn't it? Yeah. It changed the world. Yeah. 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 So I think we... But aren't, aren't there uh, books that are evil? Sure. So... The printing press isn't the problem, it's how it's used. Mm -hmm. So uh, one thing I recognize is that I have no power over what somebody else is going to do with innovation. Mm -hmm. But I do have power over how I will use that innovation. And I think every morning I get up two to three hours before I need to start my day to do all this social media stuff. Okay. And why, why, do you do it? why do you do it? I do it because it's an opportunity to be a positive voice on all those platforms. And, and that's if, what I wanted to bring up. You know, I, I kind of knew what your answer was going to be. That's mm. why I confidently asked you it. <laughs> but why, you know, I guess, well, let's go back to the question. What impact does social media have on the church? Well, Jesus commanded us, go into all the world, the world and preach the gospel. Whether you like it or not, internet, social media is part of our world now. Yeah. And it's an opportunity, like you said. So yeah. you can continue. Well, 
it's what we do with it. It's our opportunity to use that platform to expand the kingdom of God. And if you really look back in history, you'll see uh what, what I said just a few moments ago, how the church has really not just had a problem with innovation, but they almost attacked it. And so they didn't take the opportunity to use it to expand the kingdom of God. And so society shaped its definition. So now as we look into social media, we have to be involved so we can help shape culture through that medium rather than just this is evil, so I'm going to give it to the world. I'm going to give it to the devil and just let him be the loudest voice. No, we have got to be the loudest voice. I think as a curtail to that, I think that if you are called to be that voice, but to say that you have to be doing this, like you have to be keeping up with culture in order to be impacting the kingdom, just like just to throw that in there. Yeah, if your ministry is in the elderly home, (laughs) then, you know, maybe that's not a great tool for you to use. Or if your ministry is your children or, you Mm -hmm. know, there's, there's just just so that there isn't this pressure that you have to be utilizing right, this exactly. tool, this amazing tool in order to be making an impact in the world. But I'm talking generally as the body of Christ, the mindset of the body right. of Christ. Mm-hmm. And the the Bible says, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, yeah. giving thanks to God, the Father, through Jesus. Mm -hmm. So whatever I do in word or deed, I'm doing it with a goal to advance the kingdom of God. And if I would say, you know, if I just completely walk away from that, I'm missing out on an opportunity to be a voice, Mm -hmm. to be his hand extended, uh, to be his heart extended. And I look at it and the ability to reach the globe. Mm -hmm. It could just be one person on the other side of the globe that is encouraged. It it is, to me, the most exciting thing because uh, the fact is, and I am... I am not computer savvy. I am not social media savvy. Uh, Joel had to send me links when the Lord spoke to me and said, start a movement to stop devaluation. I'm going, how do you start a movement? That's a millennial term. And I called up, I think it was, was it you, Joel, or somebody? And I said, what do you do? Well, you need to a movement. You almost need a YouTube channel. And I'm going, oh my gosh, how do you do a YouTube channel? And then I had to learn and make videos. And uh, these are things I didn't want to learn, but, but it wasn't about the platform. It was about what God called me to do. And that is simply just a tool. I love how this question correctly defines social media as a tool. Because a tool is neither, and you kind of said this earlier, earlier, a tool is neither good or evil. Right. Now, a tool can be used for evil, right? Most definitely. But it's dependent upon the user. So a knife in the hands of a chef. Right. There you go. Can create a beautiful meal. A knife in the hands of a serial killer. Mm-hmm. You know, different will produce result. different <laughs> results, right? So... Social media in the hands of a kingdom-minded believer yeah. can be a tool to build the kingdom. It mm-hmm. can be. It is not always. Well, can I get be. to my other points? <laughs> yes, you, you say that we don't prepare, but I prepared <laughs> something for this because I wanted to give, you know, 
my best. Okay. So another factor that you can look at is most tools require skill to use them. Yes. Oh, yeah. So when I was younger, I worked construction. Thankfully, the <laughs> Lord called me out of that. I was not very good at it. But one of the things, a lot of the guys that have been doing construction for a long time, when they would hammer, it took one swing and the nail would be in, you yeah. know, and I would be hitting the wood and like hit my <laughs> fingers and like it, the, the nail would be bent. I was not very good at it. Right. And as I did it, you know, obviously I got a little bit better at it. So Tools require skill. Yeah. And so I think sometimes just because there's a tool and, you know, churches are like, well, the church down the street has yeah. this mm. and the church is doing this, you know, Elevation does this <laughs> and Hillsong does this and they get online and they're not effective because they don't know how to use the tool. Mm -hmm. I'm a person that likes beautiful design. Yeah. And sometimes when I see churches designs on social media, media, I want to go, no, no, please stop. Please. This hurts my eyes. Right. All joking aside, but a tool requires skill to use it. And so, uh, if that's you or, or if that's, if that's something that you can develop yourself in, or there's someone in your church that has the skill for it, just recognize it's not going to be as effective if you don't have the skill to, to use it. Mm-hmm. So you said, is it an effective tool? Well, it depends on who's using it. Yeah. Well, and just to what you just said about how we love beautiful design. Yeah. That's um, true. I am right there with you. I sometimes cringe at things, but I think we've even realized in our own, because we do social media for our mm -hmm. church. Yeah. Um, we've realized that beautiful design will never connect to a person as much as a person will connect mm -hmm. to a person. So something that looks just super beautiful will never have the same impact as um, someone speaking. And I just think mm -hmm. that represents um, where I come from with social media is that um, social media often creates pseudo connection mm -hmm. uh, because you're seeing all these people and it makes you feel connected to them, mm -hmm. but you're, you actually aren't connected with them. Um, and so do I think social media is a wonderful um, potential tool? Yes, I'm on social media. I use it every day. I'm not like one of those totally off of it people at all. Um, but um, I just think it is a, it is a lesser tool, um, a lesser effective tool than actual connection with people. And I think that um, that's really good. Culturally Katie. society. And like, listen, we just came out of a pandemic where, Thank God for the internet. Yeah. Thank God for Zoom. Thank God for social media. It was it was really, really used as a tool in a season where it needed, we needed it desperately um, to connect us as the church. Um, but I think it will always be a subpar um, effective tool. And I think just, we've just gotten used to it. We've gotten used to everything is online. Uh, and I think we've also seen the effects of that in churches, in communities, in uh, relationships, our ability to bond with one another, our ability to connect. Um, so. So you're saying that social media isn't so social? <laughs> it's so, it's surface social. I think of the social media as more as uh, a marketplace. Uh, Selling souls one at a 
<laughs> well, no, I'm not even talking about the church. What? But a lot of times churches get on social media to sell their vision or to sell who they are or sell yeah. their their programs. Or, you know, you go online, there's an ad for everything. Or maybe you're selling your ideas. That's what you I mean. Know? You're selling soul, like, like your soul is being sold to advertising or to... <laughs> yeah, I, I've heard someone say that... Um, if the product is free, it means that you're the product. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they're selling you. Yeah. Yeah. So do I think it is an effective tool? Yes. In the hands of people that know how to use it. I will say that uh, tools are job specific. See, a plumber needs a wrench. A hairstylist mm -hmm. probably doesn't. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> well, unless they're really cutting edge. <laughs> you ever see those ones where people use like flame torches and you're like, uh, I don't think so. So uh, tools are jobs, uh, jobs specific. So a church should ask, is this tool necessary for us to accomplish our goal? So if you're just doing it, like I said, because Hillsong does it, or you're doing it because the church down the street is doing it. Mm -hmm. Will this tool actually get me to where I want to go? And That's if it good. doesn't, then don't do it. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think it's tough as a, like as a church in today's age, it is hard to know when, and I know, I don't know when it was last year or two years, I guess last year, maybe I just said, I said, I, as a pastor right now, I cannot be putting my, as much energy into social media as I have been. And so you've picked up a lot of that because I just knew um, it, that we need it. I know that we need it as a church in this year. Um, I know that it's necessary, but I also recognize that, um, that it is not number one priority. Not that it, you know, you're, you're much more effective at it than I ever could be. Um, but I just know that, um, if all of your attention is on that, then it can't always be localized. And I think for churches, that's just a really hard balance to know how to reach the people out there and how to reach the people inside. How do you get the people that are out there inside? How do you... And are you viewing your... Are you viewing your effectiveness by views? By your followers. Yeah. yeah and you're like, you know what? I had... 10,000 views. Yeah. They were also one second, a half of a second. So... I how much of how much influence is that really? Yeah, I mean, and I don't know. Not maybe to like I'm, hey, get I'm, in the weeds about it, but like Jesus had followers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he was the the original one to have followers. He was the original influencer. But why <laughs> were they following him? Not because he was doing making a show, because he was impacting their lives. And so, if you're having followers social media followers um, and they're just fans, then I, I would question the effectiveness. But if you're having a real impact on their lives and they want to follow because it's trans it's transformative to them, um, you know, that's, that's wonderful. That is really, really powerful. What an amazing tool that we do have in social media. I just think, just make sure it's not a show. Make sure it's not a spectacle. Make sure it's true to who you are. It's true. Um, the same online presence is the same as what they would get if they walked in your doors. Yeah, um, the same good. character that they're getting online, make sure that they're getting that, that it's not false advertising. Make sure you're serving up a product that is genuine, um, that, that hopefully leads them to uh, what the special thing that 
you have to offer in the kingdom and that their life can really be transformed and not just like a feel good um, swipe on, on a screen. So it's not the tool itself, it's your internal posturing. Sure. It's what's happening on the inside of you, your why, your your investment. Yeah. And I, I think it's important to note that to accomplish something, we have multiple tools. Mm-hmm. Right. So if, Yeah, it can't just be social media. Yeah, it there we have so many tools. So it's just one of many tools that we can use to expand the kingdom, yeah. to touch hearts, to touch lives. But if our success is based upon our social media presence, I think we're neglecting some powerful tools that really are necessary to expand the kingdom of God. Church won't work is if people just came to church with their head in their phones, you know, looking at their phones. They need to connect with people. So yes, we can uh, reach out and uh, offer life or solutions through social media, but when they come into the doors of the church, it can't be connecting in that realm anymore because we're in a realm where we can actually exchange life. Life? (laughs) (laughs) You try not to say it. Yeah, I didn't want to say (laughs) wink, wink, exchange life. Yeah, I mean, I think I've said it before, like we all know now that uh, actually I'm I'm on this um, community committee and we're scheduling meetings and um, they asked, you know, do you prefer Zoom meetings or in-person meetings? And almost everybody was like, we like the convenience of a Zoom meeting, but it will never measure up to being in the room together. And I just think that's kind of where where we are. It's an effective tool. It's a really convenient tool. Mm-hmm. If um, if there's a shut-in who cannot get to church, um, what a wonderful gift it is to be able to connect with the church in their own home. Um, but I would also say, and like we have someone in our church who she often can't get to church um, for physical reasons, but she's very, very active in the online community. And so it's not just, she just doesn't show up, doesn't say anything, logs on, logs off. She's actually really connected. She comments on on uh, what people are saying. She's very involved knowing um, what's happening in people's lives, talking with them. Uh, and so I think that that kind of is a difference between an invisibility um, and, you know, sometimes with churches, that's just what happens is the convenience is there. They log on, they log off, but they're not getting connection. And so they feel like they're being neglected. Whereas really what's happening is you're having that pseudo connection and you're feeling like people should be chasing after you um, because you feel connected, but they don't feel connected. And so you just got to be aware of what is falsified, what's pseudo and what is real connection. So if you've got to be online, be connected online, be personal online, Um, use it as that tool, whether you're on the side of the influencer or the influenced. um, I wish there were other words for that, but hopefully you know what I mean. It's a real fine line too, especially in this topic Am I building the kingdom of God or mm-hmm. my own kingdom? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's not an easy thing to always know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's one of the dangers of social media in the church world. It it turns into building, you know... Your uh, own platform. Your own platform to building, yeah, mm-hmm. 
I mean, I can't think of the words to say for it, but it's like, it's got to be about his kingdom, not necessarily like the success of what you're trying to build. Yeah. And we don't want to determine our success based upon that, based mm-hmm. upon social media followings or any of those things. Because yeah, you, we, you will be up emotions, one day, down yeah, the next. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I always go to the, if you build your life on solid rock, it's yep. solid rock. Every other foundation is yep. sinking sand. So that's right. you know what? If your foundation is solid on the king and his kingdom, utilize social media as an amazing, effective tool um, that that is very much part of our culture. If you're building your foundation on that, it is sinking sand. It is going to um, come crashing down one. 100% of the time. And you will know it by the fruit. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's not producing, then I wouldn't say it's very effective. Yeah. Well, that's a, such a Speaking big Speaking from three experts on social media. <laughs> no. Well, it's so uh, massive. I think it's, I'm it's, in it's both d- worlds so much. But it's you know? still relatively new. And I think time will tell the impact that it, it is making. I think there's always that pendulum swing of we, we lean really hard into new technology. And then down the road, we kind of find a balance of where it's effective, where it's not. I don't think this is any different than that. I think over the last few years, I haven't been able... Uh, to go to Nicaragua, the place I went once or twice a year for 20 years now. And, um, but regularly, yeah, I'm making investment regularly. I'm mentoring and, 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 and it's just so wonderful to be connected, see their faces. And it's very personal and it's very relational and it's very kingdom building. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's exciting. And then to other places. So I, I love the whole, whole Zoom world when people are far away. Yeah. But close up, we, we need to, we need community. Yeah. We need physical hugs, you know. We, we need those things Says as some well. People. <laughs> some people. <laughs> well, I need to hug some people. All right. <laughs> because you need it, everyone needs it. Yeah, that's right. People need it even if they don't know they need it. There's science. Because science says. <laughs> oh, I knew that was coming because science now, says. I said that just because you teased me about it, but I want to... <laughs> All right. Well, let's close that chapter and open another one here. Uh, What a big switch. Well, yeah, (laughs) it always is. Um, All right. Well, the next question is, um, I feel like these are like heavier questions. Yeah. um, It is, I find myself stuck in an addiction. How can I break free from this cycle? Um, I just, just first of all... um, I think Jesus came to set the captives free, that Jesus is very aware um, that that sometimes we're captive to things um, and that he came to set us free. Um, do I think that that's always, do, you know, why is it that you, Mama Melody, were woke up one day or one night you went to bed an alcoholic and you woke up free? Um, and then another person struggles for years and years and years with that addiction. I don't know the answer to that. Why some receive instant deliverance and some walk through a process. I don't know um, the answer. I do know that Jesus always came to set the captives free um, and that that is a very... Um, that that is attainable, not attainable by our own strength, but it is, it is our promise in Him that we will receive freedom. Um, 
also say I really empathize with this question because I have those addictive tendencies in my life. There are areas of my life where I have um, struggled and not known how to get out of patterns of addiction. It, it's actually the reason, one of the reasons that I choose not to drink alcohol because I know the addiction, addictive tendencies in my own life. And um, that's just a door I've chosen not to open. For some people, that's not a problem at all. Um, and I'm totally fine with that. But for me, I know the patterns that I've seen in my life and I have struggled with them um, not even say and listen there are more there are some addictions that are more socially acceptable than yes, others there you go. Um, yeah. but it doesn't mean that they're not just as much addictions um, so I you mean food yeah that's no. a big one Coffee. sugar <laughs> sugar <laughs> sugar, sugar. Like said, um, what was the question oh I find myself in addiction <laughs> well welcome to the club <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I think it is true. Some people really look at it and they have this stigma around them, but others are very, very accepted just, you know, for life. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we wouldn't think a thing about it, but it doesn't mean that it's not just as much uh, a real addiction. Um, just like when Netflix says, are you still watching this? Just like, double checking. Mind your own business. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> yeah. I would um, ask you if you're still yeah, watching. Yeah, like I think it was like four episodes. They're like, hey, um, did you walk away? And uh, should I turn this <laughs> off? Are you still present? Are you awake? Yeah. Wow. Um, most of my shows are, I watched eight episodes, but I know I only watched one because the rest I must have fell asleep. Oh, for me, I'll, I'll go like months without really watching a lot of TV and then I'll watch it for like 20 hours straight and just yeah. binge everything because I have this addictive personality <laughs> that wants to do it all or nothing. Let's just call it extreme personality. Let's just call it what it is. <laughs> um but I think practically, like I am, I am a fan of the twelve steps. I think it's not perfect, but I think it is proven. Um, the the twelve step programs, meaning the the anonymous programs, and there's Christian versions of those as well. Um, again, I don't think they're perfect, and um, you know, lean towards a Christian one if you can. But I do think there's a lot there um, that are proven um, to really help people process through, process out of um, addiction. There, there is a lot of tools out there. I think. Um, Sometimes you do just have to call a thing a thing and say, "Hey, this is an addiction. I've ignored it. I've I've appeased it. I've said that it's not really a problem. I've said I can control it." But recognizing when an addiction is actually an addiction and getting help when you need to get help, um, because if you don't, um, you know, you probably have already experienced the consequences of that to some regard. Um, but you you have to get help. You cannot just do it on your own um, unless you are instantly delivered and those times do happen. Um, but I, I just wouldn't, um, you know, if you've prayed, if you've cried out to, to Jesus and you haven't experienced that, go get help um, because Jesus wants to set you free. And that might happen through a process and might happen through community. Well, I can relate to addictions, yeah. as you said, and you shared the one I was instantly delivered from, uh, alcohol, because that was a manifestation of a father who radically loved me that was going to reveal his power so that I would believe, yeah. so that I could... Uh, come into the kingdom. And so that really was the birthing 
you know, uh, it was my salvation Mm -hmm. because I recognized God was real and he touched the core of me, the depths of my spirit. But uh, smoking was another one. I smoked four packs of cigarettes a day. That was not instantaneous. That was torturous. Uh, Stephen wouldn't marry me until I chose to quit smoking. And I loved something more than the addiction, which was Stephen. Mm -hmm. So I went through torture, waking up in the middle of the night, rooting through the garbage, trying to find a cigarette butt that maybe had a little bit of tobacco left on it. You know, I remember that just, it it was horrible, 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 trying to get rid of that. Uh, But there was something that I loved more, Mm -hmm. which drove me to fight for my freedom. And when I think about uh, our human propensity is to be addictive. You said, oh, I have this. We all got this. I don't think anyone is 100% perfectly balanced in their life and in their thinking. We have to look at the source of addiction. And the fact is our brain is so wired to protect us from pain, discomfort, Mm -hmm. any form of unhappiness, boredom, whatever it might be, our brain is wired to do something so that we are loving life, enjoying life, comfortable in life, have peace or whatever it might be. So our brain is wired for that. And so we want to escape pain. We want to escape these negative things. So that addiction is like amnesia. So I forget it temporarily, or it is uh, like anesthesia dulling that pain or that need temporarily. Mm -hmm. The fact is it's temporary, so it drives us back to do it again and again and again. While we're doing, oh, it feels so good, eating that bowl of ice cream. (laughs) That's what mom does. I succumbed to that bowl of kale again. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I I was addicted to sugar. That was a big one. And now I'm trying to control myself because I didn't have coffee for 20 years. Now it's like two cups a day. Don't go more than two cups a day. And my day gets long. Okay, I'll do a third. Okay, Melody, the moment you go over three cups in a day, you have got to stop. You've got to deal with this because now you're you're getting addicted to caffeine here. So when a so when a kid says my brother made me do it, I could say my brain made me do it. <laughs> yes, but you have power to change we have your a, brain. We have the power of choice. <laughs> it was right. funny, Dad. On Sunday, he was preaching. I was like, he goes, um, "You can't control your emotions." <laughs> I, I heard that, and I I was like, oh. Where I was is he like, going with this? <laughs> I was like, apparently he has not listened to the Life Exchange podcast. <laughs> or his wife speaking about well, this. Yeah. And he might think that, I don't know, but I thought that was funny. I think, I think he's going from the direction of when you have emotions, yeah. how do you not feel what you feel yeah. when you're I feeling know, it? I know, it's just when he said it, it's like, you can't control your emotions. Who can thing. do that? I was like, That's well, so he has not come to our church for the past 40 years. Bless his heart. Maybe he'll never hear us talking about this. But I think there are steps. I think the very first step to deal with addiction is to have the courage to face the source of it. Mm -hmm. What am I trying to cover? Uh, What am I trying to escape from? What is the pain I'm running from? What am I doing uh, that 
is causing me such discomfort that I have to go to something external to get rid of it temporarily. So if I can go to the source or the why of that, then I have something that I can begin to work with. Mm -hmm. You know, right now, you know, I'm hurting right now, you know, I've I've been rejected. So I'm trying to escape the pain of that rejection or, uh, you know, I'm feeling such shame and it, it, uh, I'm, feel like I'm not good enough. So give me that bowl of ice cream. It just makes me feel better for a little bit. And then after I eat the ice cream, I'm beating myself up because it made me feel bad or, you know, sugar high or whatever it might be. Uh, Or man, that was so good. 15 minutes later, I want another bowl, you know, Uh, what, whatever, if we can go to the source, you know, to understand why is a great place to start. Because if we just say addictions are bad or destructive or harmful, it just reinforces my desire to go back to them because I'm so focused on the addiction rather than understanding the why. Because if I can uh, receive from the Lord or others or whatever it might be to be able to speak into that why, then I'm bringing solutions to the table of the why. So you're not going to bring healing to someone if you're only trying to fix the symptoms of the addiction, right? kind of going back and knowing why this is happening and bring healing to that area. That's going to bring, be the thing that breaks the cycle. I mean, I go back addicted to alcohol. I mean, abuse, trauma, those different things. When the moment I got to the age where I could took a drink, that was my solution. Mm-hmm. It it caused me to forget those things, and it it allowed me to. I mean, it. Why do we do it? It works. Yeah. Temporarily, but it works. It covers very well temporarily, and. But that's the lie. That's mm-hmm. the destructive part of it because time after time and, you know, it just begins to eat away at our confidence because now a substance, anything that we desire more than we desire God will rule over us, just like in the garden. I'm not going to go into that mm-hmm. whole sermon. But if I look to someone or something to fix me, then, and I desire that more than anything else and desire that more than God, then it literally can become an addiction. You know, you can see people who are codependent. What is, I'm addicted on a person to meet my need when God created us to have our needs met by him. So there's many forms of addiction and we don't want to attack people who are in that place, but to help them to discover their why and get the help that they need to heal the source. Addiction, a baby can be born addicted to drugs if its mother was addicted to drugs. You know, a, a small child can be exposed to pornography at a very young age not by their own choice. That's right. And they could become addicted. So addiction, it can enter in so many ways. Yes. It will affect your your brain's wiring. Um, and that's why you can't just say, well, stop that. <laughs> Anybody uh-huh. who's been addicted to anything knows that doesn't work. You right. can't just say, well, stop that. Um, because it's, it is, it's, it has affected your neural pathways uh, and they've become deep and they become default. Um, and so like you were saying, 
a, a void was filled, whether it's whether you were anesthetizing or you were just exposed to something or it was inflicted upon you, however it came in, um, something came in and created, um, a, it's, it's filling the void. Um, it will never satisfy the void. And so you just keep filling the void. Um, and so that's where that recognizing the source, uh, but not just recognizing the source of where it came from or what you're trying to fill, but recognizing what will actually fill right. your cup. So it's really great if you can recognize, oh, I'm feeling lonely. And so I do this. Correct. And But loneliness... That's a great step that you identify that. But what is the opposite? What is the actual right. need that you have is for intimacy, is for pure intimacy or for relational connection or for trust? What is the actual thing that you need? Um, because when you start to fill that, then you're actually being filled. It's not, an, it's not a, a leaky cup. It's not... Um, or you're not just pouring into a void, you're actually filling. Um, and so like, even for me, like a simple thing, like I know when I'm healthy inside, um, I'll lean less on those things that I do to try to fill that because I'm actually getting it, my need met in a healthy way. Um, so, I, so, you know, maybe whatever it is, identifying the negative of what you're trying to fill is great. But if you can actually identify the positive and then, you know, sometimes we don't believe that we deserve that. Like, you know, if I, if I'm lonely and I'm trying to fill that void, well, I might have created such pathways in my mind, such belief system that says, well, I'm not worthy of yeah. belonging. I'm not worthy of being loved. I'm not good enough. I'm not whatever. Uh, and so it's then changing your whole actual belief system um, towards truth, towards your true identity, towards what God says about you, who you really are in him um, that will actually begin to transform your mind, uh, which can actually uproot those patterns, those even those neurological patterns of addiction, um, because now you're actually getting your true need met, what you were always meant to have, um, instead of this um, this thing that it's never going to satisfy you. Yeah, that's really good. Now, there's probably about twenty million reasons why someone might be bound by addiction. Yeah. Uh, so I'm just going to focus on one of them. And that is, and I think it's something that's also gets overlooked a lot, but one of the reasons for addiction is isolation. Yeah. So true. And we were just talking about social media. Yeah. yeah. And that's why I think that there are a lot of people that do struggle with addiction because there's this false sense of community and but they're just really isolated and yeah. they're really bound by this cycle of addiction. Um, I always wanted to say this uh, because mom you say it all the time but science says <laughs> actually I watched this it was a video on um, on YouTube and basically it was this study of these rats right and one 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 rat they put in isolation um, and then they gave two options for the rat to get its water. One was just regular water and the other one was laced with some type of drug. And what happened was the rat would experience the drug and this rat was isolated. No, no interaction with any other rats or anything. Um, and so it kept on going back to that, the, mm. the water that had the drug. And eventually it got to the point where it overdosed because mm. 
it just kept on needing that drug. And then they get put the same thing, like the, the water with the drug and then the water with the, um, that was just pure. But it, they put a community of rats together mm-hmm. where they put things where they could play together, that they could interact together, where they could mate and have sex and create and, you know, all these things that are a part of community, right? And what they found was very rarely did the rats go to the to the um, the water that had the drug in it. And for some of them, not even not at all. They they wouldn't even partake of it. And what they found was when you're in a community where there's mm-hmm. life yeah. and exchange of life, da, 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 wink, wink, uh, right? Yeah. Their needs are being met. Yeah. Yeah. Then they had no desire to go get the drug from, you know, that the -hmm. container that had that in. And so, like I said, with social media, we have this false sense of community and we're really isolated. And so we fall into addiction because we're just trying to, what is it, anesthetize Mm -hmm. needs that are going unmet. Mm -hmm. And so, like I said, I'm very excited that I can say science says. (laughs) I know it was a video on YouTube, but you know. You had a whole experiment to back up. Yeah, a whole experiment (laughs) and everything. Another thing I want to say about isolation is in prison, they use isolation as a punishment. Yeah, so true. Think about it. Prison is punishment. Yeah. But in prison, they use isolation as a punishment. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we punish ourselves through isolation for whatever Mm. reason. And so that's probably a whole nother story. But um, I feel like because most of our society can be around people, but maybe still feel lonely in some ways just because of how our world works now. Mm -hmm. So one of the ways that you can deal with, with addiction is to actually get around people that you can exchange life with and and have healthy relationships and get out of the bubble or get out of the isolation. And sometimes we are feeding off of that addiction because our needs are not being met. And so if we can get our needs met through a healthy way, that power, that addiction, it's kind of reworking the the wiring in your brain. I've heard from someone somewhere. (laughs) And so if we do that, Wow, we can rewrite those pathways, yeah. and then then the addiction isn't like in the in the situation with the rats. Some didn't even use it at all, and some, if they did, it was very sparingly. Mm-hmm. But their needs, and um, I don't know how many needs rats have, but <laughs> they didn't partake of it because they were in a community, and you know. Well, and I think ultimately you you need to be connected with the Lord and get your source sure. from there. But that's another reason why I would advocate towards those recovery programs mm-hmm. if you are in addiction because it's community based. Yeah. Because it it is getting you out of isolation. You have a support it's getting person. you yeah, it's getting that that shame that keeps you in hiding. Um it's getting that out in the open in um, a group and a lot of times those groups are really focused on safety protect that's why the anonymous programs uh, exist is because it's a safe place to be in community especially if you're dealing with a sensitive subject like addiction um, that can be really shame filled so um, again I just really encourage um, you to step out of um, out of hiding in that area and get into community because as science proves <laughs> it's really key 
Well, if you needed a gentler response, you can listen to what Katie said. If you needed this more straight, like talking about rats in cages. <laughs> no, I think then, they work in tandem. Yeah, yeah, you're you're okay. showing the need, but I'm saying, well, this is how you can do that. Well, I felt like and it's not even a negative. It's like I, I stated the information. They're like, <laughs> let's put this in a way that people can receive this. And I appreciate that. It's just, Teamwork. I just think it's funny. Teamwork is the dream work. <laughs> But it's important to note that just because I'm in community doesn't mean that I still do not feel isolation. Well, that's what I mean. And that's why those programs work, because we're connecting, we're relating to each other. Someone says something, they go, yeah, I've experienced that too. Well, and you're sharing what you're actually dealing with. That's right. It's very vulnerable, vulnerable, authentic. And so it's not just being around people to be around people. There's a big difference between socialization and relationship. And we can get together and be around, but never really have an opportunity uh, to be open and vulnerable. And way back in my intense addictions of, you know, alcohol, I was with people from the moment I got up in the morning, I'd get on a metro, go to work. I was with people all day long. After that, I'd go to karate practice with people. And you are touching people, you know, you're beating each other up. Okay. And you're, you're with people, all that you get home and you get ready and you go to bed. And that was my life there. I was always surrounded by people, but there was absolutely no heart connection. And, um, who I was was hidden so deeply inside of me, I wouldn't even acknowledge to myself yeah. uh, the depths of the problems I was dealing with. I was burying, burying so many things. And so when we talk about community or it, it, it's not necessarily a large thing, sometimes it's just finding yeah, a Yeah, but few- what you're talking about is also, that is an issue even beyond isolation, because you're in with people, but there's a deep, deeper thing than just yes. actually, you know, in in that situation with what I was talking about, the need was really just... They never got to that place because the need was met probably from the moment they, those little rats were born. Well, I don't know if I want to get that deep into <laughs> it, but... Well, I mean, I don't know the psyche of a rat, but yeah. was one was one rat, they tasted the poison and then the other said, no, don't do that. That's going to kill you. Like we don't, I don't know what was happening in the <laughs> community of rats, but I do think that that support, like proximity is not connection. Right. You can be around a lot of people, but nobody actually knows what's going on inside of you. And so that's what you know we're saying is that you've got to get it out to where people actually know, not just any people, um, but safe people, safe community, these, you know, What do you say? Expression is greater than assumption. assumption. Mm -hmm. And when you can connect with an individual where you can communicate exactly how you feel and you're loved and valued and accepted and that's there's that exchange of life there i mean really a true authentic exchange it is healing in itself and it's true to get rid of one thing you have to have something that's so much greater well what i was saying like what you were talking about was so much deeper than just isolation correct right so if it is just isolation uh, put on by yourself like god said to uh, elijah what are you doing here? <laughs> yeah, right? exactly. Right? Well, uh, this, you know, he put himself there, right? Yeah. 
And so some of those things can just be resolved very quickly because that was solely just a need. You need to get around people, get in a healthy community, get outside of your bubble and just uh, your singular (laughs) way of thinking. Okay. But when you're talking about, you're like, you could be in a group of people and still feel alone. That's something a little deep. That's a different level of isolation than... Well, it's it's the choice that needs to be made to begin to open hearts. For instance, you could show up at church and say this this place is not loving, but you haven't been loving. This they're not friendly here. Well, have you been friendly? And so there's you can be with people, but if you don't position yourself to become and you don't have to be vulnerable with everybody, yeah. but finding one or two or individuals that are trustworthy. Uh, uh, and I'm, still recognizing that all of this said, the work is still yours to do. Yeah, so true. It This community element is a crucial part of it, of support, of... Um, community of getting out of that isolation, walking out of that shame of actually getting the things that are inside of you out of you. Um, But if you can't, you also can't look to the community to make the change for you. It's a support. Um, But, and it's a really important support, really, really important support. But ultimately um, it's still your work to do, which I know probably doesn't sound... (laughs) very kind or loving or or maybe it seems really obvious. Um, but I well, think- Well, there's times in, in a pastoring or mentoring situation where I got to the point where I can say no more things. Yeah. <laughs> I have no more words to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no more advice to give. You're just going to have to make a choice. Yeah. Either you do it or you don't. Yeah. Yeah. I want to share this scripture. It's so good in light of what we're talking about. It's Hebrews 12, 2 and 3. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author. Yeah. <laughs> our, our creator designed us. Mm-hmm. He is the author and the perfecter. And that's the one who brings us to maturity, what? Through truth. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, consider him. What did Jesus experience? Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you would not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus had every opportunity to feel isolated, separated, hurt, wounded, rejection, betrayal, pain, suffering, you know, just all that all that he experienced, but he became the victor. I won't go into all those things, but he did all that so that we would not grow weary. Mm-hmm. He's in all points was tempted like we are. And so if we can fix our eyes on Jesus, recognizing ultimately he is the solution. Yeah. Well, the night I got saved, God, if you exist, suddenly instead of all Melody was doing wasn't working. Yeah. Everything, success. I, I was climbing the ladder in three years. I went from the... 
bottom of the totem pole, as it were, to like getting ready to oversee, not above the agents, but oversee the whole laboratory division, you know, and that's pretty far to go when you start out when you're 18. By 21, you're leading the whole thing. I mean, I was successful. I went from barely being able to pay a bill to having much more than what I needed. And, And you look at all that and it seems successful, but none of it produced anything. And that night at the I was in the depths of despair, you know, and it was, what did Anna Green Gable say? Did she? Oh. Oh, what was her? I don't remember. It was, it was like the depths of despair yeah. type thing. But I hit that point and I said, God, if you exist. And so that's the looking unto the author and the finisher of your faith. God, if you exist, you're the only one can fix what's broken inside of me. And guess what? He is an ever-present help in times of trouble. I cried out to him, and, you know, he was just waiting for me to open the door. Mm -hmm. And uh, it transformed the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And so we have to recognize the ultimate source to free us from the things that drive us to anesthetize ourselves. And after that, there, there was no desire. There was no temptation. So that was miraculous. Yeah. Uh, and so he allowed me to walk through the process of breaking free of cigarettes. And um, I mean, I did it within a few months and Stephen and I got married. And But for 10 years, somebody would light a cigarette and I'd kind of walk on the other side of the street so I could just <gasps> breathe it in because it smelled so good to me. It took 10 years really for the addiction to leave me. Yeah. I never went back. I never... But I would dream about smoking. You know, I'd smell good to me. So I wasn't really free for 10 years. Yeah. But I stayed positioned to be free. Mm-hmm. And... I mean, there's no desire now, but... One thing that you have to understand about addiction is that there is a physical element. That's right. And then there's also, I believe, a spiritual element as And well. psychological element. Yeah, so um, in your case, it might be one or all three of them. Yeah, uh, so. it's true. Yeah. Yeah, I think to close out this question, we'll just say, um, as you said, that he is your ever-present help in time of need. I think he is also an ever-giving and forgiving God. And so in the process of um, deliverance, keep running to him, keep running to him, keep running to him. He will will forgive you every time. Uh, And so he came to set you free. Uh, And so we just believe that that is in your future, that uh, it is for freedom that he set us free. He wants that for you. He already has been in your future. He already sees the good um, that is to come in your life. And so um, we um, love that you asked this question. Thank you. And we just uh, see such good for your future. Amen. So, well, I know we're running long, but I would like to do this last question because it's happier. Is that okay? (laughs) Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> it is happier. To... I don't know. We'll see. Well, there's happiness is right in the, yeah. <laughs> in the title or in the question. Um, it says, I grew up in a church where happiness is a dirty word. 
I still struggle with allowing myself to be happy. I was hoping you could talk through this topic. I would love to hear your perspective on this. And I want I just want to start really quickly with this because we're we actually share our notes in a Google Doc. And Katie, one of the things that Katie said in her notes is this is something I can relate to. Yeah. The question was, I grew up in a church where <laughs> happiness is a dirty word. Oh. She grew up in our church. So I'm just wondering, like, what's going on here? Well, I don't think it was ever stated that way. <laughs> but I think, and it, listen, it was not just our church. Clearly, it was not just our church. Um, but there, there was that whole element of die to self, sacrifice, like lay down your life, which are all things that are in the Bible and are true. <laughs> um, but I, for some, I don't know if it was ever, I don't think, I don't have like a moment that was preached to me, but the belief system somewhere in there was built um, that if I was happy, then I was not pleasing God. And that is a, a belief system I've had to dismantle um, through time because all those things are true. Lay down your life, pick up She your also cross. grew up reading Left Behind. So <laughs> Yeah, but those were always fiction to me. I okay. never really that that wasn't I don't think that shaped my theology. No. But, um it was maybe more the bonfires where we burned our secular music and we, <laughs> it was just an extreme Did you hear the edge. demons hiss? Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't yeah, that just they, the plastic? As uh, the plastic burned <laughs> up into the atmosphere. Um, but yeah, there was just an extreme. I grew up, we are a charismatic church. I, there was a, a time uh, where that looked like something. Everything was the devil. It was very intense. Um, so listen, nobody's perfect. We're all figuring this stuff out. But I have come to the place and maybe you probably will still say it's not happiness, it's joy. No, um, I don't have that in okay. here. That not in any always, place. Not, See, not nobody ever sees what joy. I can come up with until I get yeah, here. She, doesn't give she us likes her notes. to be mysterious. <laughs> no, it's usually, it's a, you know. Right but before. I just look at Jesus. Um, Jesus was pro-happiness. He partied a lot. He feasted a lot. He celebrated a lot. Um, and so, and also Jesus, the spirit is the source of joy. Um, and so sometimes even now I can look at that and say, well, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. <laughs> like it has to be intense. But I've just learned that he's just as much in the dinner party as he is in those moments of sacrifice. And so just beginning to see Jesus, seeing God as a joy-filled God um, has really been helpful and transformative for my own theology. Um, and so why did I want to get to this question? Because I relate to it, but also because I'm very, very... Um, God is a happy God. He's a joyful God. Um, does that mean he doesn't have also the full spectrum of emotion um, just like we do? He does. He gets angry. He gets sad. He gets frustrated. He gets upset. All those emotions actually came from him. He's the one who authored them. Um, and so I hate, I absolutely hate the um, the sticker that's like, do what makes you happy. Because I'm like, I would be... a uh, 700 pounds <laughs> if I just like, you know, tell that to a heroin addict and you're going to kill them. So I don't believe happiness should rule our lives, but I do believe that happiness is a God created thing. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> well, 
I'll, I'll, maybe this is a question for you. So you're saying that you can change the world and be happy at the same time? Yes. Really? I do believe that. Okay. I believe um, that you can't be driven by that, just like we can't be driven by any of our emotions. But I actually can uh, have joy. Um, we can call it happiness and be doing what God's called me to do. So suffering's not a merit badge? No. Even though so you can look and say, blessed are those who are persecuted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you, yeah. can't, you find those things in the Bible, they're just as true. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think that it's not, that's not the totality of who God is. Mm-hmm. So it's more nuanced is what you're yes. saying. Uh, isn't it all? <laughs> you know, I, the question was, you know, I grew up in a church that it wasn't okay to be happy. I guess maybe that's not the exact wording, but, you know, I think sometimes as preachers, you know, and as churches, we are offering the good news. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> good. Good <Yeah>. news, <laughs> right? Uh, and this, this uh, verse is... Uh, where Jesus is giving the Beatitudes, you know, he's uh, preaching a sermon. And so most translations translated as blessed, blessed are those. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that word also means happy. Yes. (laughs) And so this is actually out of the Good News Translation. (laughs) Whoa. All right. Matthew 5, 3 through 10. Happy are those who know they are spiritually poor, The kingdom of heaven belongs to them. Happy are those who mourn. God will comfort them. Happy are those who are humble. They will receive what God has promised. Happy are those whose greatest desire is to do what God requires. God will satisfy them fully. Happy are those who are merciful to others. God will be merciful to them. Happy are the pure in heart. They will see God. Happy are those who work for peace. God will call them his children. Mm -hmm. Happy are those who are persecuted because they do what God requires. The kingdom of heaven belongs to them. Amen. I love that translation. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know that blessed sounds more spiritual, <laughs> yeah. but it means happy. Yeah. Happy yes, it are does. those who It are means poor happy, sp- yeah. fortunate, and to be envied mm-hmm. is really what blessed means. So if you go through the word of God, wherever it says blessed, you know the byproduct of that, yeah. or actually it means, is happiness. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think the problem comes in is if we pursue, if our goal and our objective is to have the emotions of happiness, because some things that are not good for us, even destructive for us, can make us feel happy temporarily. We just talked about addictions, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, true, uh, godly, uh, biblical happiness is a byproduct of something that's so much greater. And And in our world, happiness is relative, yeah, yeah. Right? It's based upon your own perception, mm-hmm. right? But in the kingdom of God, right. it's not relative. Yeah, right. It actually says it in this verse, happy are those who. Mm-hmm. And so in the kingdom of God, it's not just at some whim. It actually has some depth to it. This is what it takes to be truly happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Jay Parker said, this is a great quote. The way to be truly happy is to be truly human. And the way to be truly human is to be truly godly. 
So when we connect and have a relationship with our creator, happy are the people whose God is the (laughs) Lord, right? When I'm connecting to my father, I am happy. In fact, some of the times most of my crying is an expression (laughs) of just such joy and such connection. And it it might look like I'm crying, but it's a a depth of feeling and emotion of blessed, happy, happy fortunate. Pardon? They're happy tears. They're happy tears. Yeah, that's right. And so, you know, it's really a, a sense of fulfillment in connecting to my God, connecting to who he's called me to be, connecting to what he's called me to do, and whatever expression of that, it it makes us happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't think that we'll ever be truly happy living egocentrically, but when we live uh, with the heart to honor God and generate value in our world, it brings a sense of fulfillment that makes us happy. Yeah. So I, I think we're not just pursuing the emotions of happy, but when we pursue right, good, godly things, we will be happy. Yeah, and I, mean, I grew up in this church just like Katie has. Actually, I was the original OG, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, the OG? The, <laughs> what? Original it means gangster. original. Oh, okay. That went over my head. <laughs> <laughs> so confused. All right. I guess I cannot uh, talk pop, pop culture. Uh, no, you just, got, you just got to teach me. Got to train you. <laughs> I'll forget it when you... When, when, when I look back at how happiness was viewed, and I agree with it, happiness was looked down upon because it was always viewed through the lens of self-fulfillment. Uh, yeah. mm. That self was, and that's what the world views it as. Happiness is doing what pleases you, mm-hmm. right? And so obviously in this church, that was not, that's not kingdom that is not a kingdom mentality. Yeah. Uh, but I think as time went along, we truly understand that that happiness is so much deeper than just self-fulfillment. Mm-hmm. It's actually being fulfilled mm-hmm. in in the well that does not dry, run dry, that, that spring that is within us, uh, partaking of that. And so happiness is not uh, an anti-kingdom thought. It's actually in the kingdom, it's what you receive. You yeah. receive happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's definitely not in the world's way of thinking what happy is. Yeah. I mean, one of my core messages is that love has a cost and it's worth it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's not to that. say I'm just some happiness preacher. But if you just look from the very beginning, Adam and Eve had a choice. They could try to do it on their own way. Um, through the knowledge of good and evil, or they could do it with him and have everything that he had made available to them. Uh, And so it was a sacrifice in that they had to choose him with everything, but it was so worth it because he is the source of joy. He's the source of love, peace, kindness, all of the, all of that he is. Mm -hmm. And, um, And so just recognizing that when you aren't living for yourself and you're living for him, he's a happy God. (laughs) He's, he's, um, he is the source of all fulfillment, all joy. Um, And so if, 
for me, if that mindset is that, well, I have to follow him because he's this strict God, he's this limiting God, well then, yeah, it's not really going to motivate me in that direction. But if I can see him for who he really is, um, that he is the source of joy, the source of life, um, that it gives him good pleasure to give me all that he has, then I'm going to run in that direction because it's the happiest I could ever possibly be. Happiness is the outcome of something. Mm -hmm. Anything that is good, godly, pure, whatever is lovely, good, pure, good report, all those things, the the outcome of that will be happiness. Mm -hmm. So it's not the source, it's it's not the foundation, but it is the outcome that comes from, the byproduct of that, yes. And, and I said earlier that sometimes in religion, you know, suffering um, is, is a merit badge for people. It's like, look at how much I suffer, yeah. you know, and it's like, you should value how much I suffer. Uh, but, it, but Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 16, when you fast, do not look somber as the <laughs> hypocrites do, for they oh, disfigure God. their faces to show others they are fasting. Oh my goodness. Truly, I tell you, they have received their full, they've received yeah. the reward yeah. in full. Why are they doing it? So that they could get brownie points of men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really that's yeah. good. I love Jesus. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, don't be like the hypocrites. <laughs> Jesus was in PC. I know. I know what that means. Uh, well, your whole uh, movement is stop devaluation, yeah. so you better know what PC means. Yeah. <laughs> Well, before we get into politics, like, <laughs> <laughs> we won't ever get into that. Uh, all right. Well, this is a little bit of a longer episode, but um, I I had fun. Hopefully you had fun listening. Um, and as always, if you have any questions, you can send them into lifeexchangepodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Well, I wanted to add something oh, because... Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't read the room no, properly. No, you didn't read the room correctly. <laughs> Um, but I truly believe that because we are talking about that they were distorting their faces uh, so to get brownie points for those around them. But I believe that your demeanor will reflect how you see God. Mm-hmm. And obviously we have off days. So I'm not saying yeah. like, yeah, if you have a bad day, you know, that's not what I'm talking about. But on a consistent basis, how you see God is what you'll demonstrate, what you manifest. And in John 16, 33... I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart. Another version says, be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. So you will reflect how you see Jesus, how you see God, the father. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I truly believe that God... Even if things are happening in this world, God is not knocked off his throne. He's not surprised by anything. Exactly. You know, the disciples were in the middle of the storm and Jesus is in the back sleeping. <laughs> you know, so as we connect with him, I believe we'll be able to manifest. And I believe we will be happy. We will demonstrate happiness. Like Jesus said, happy are those who. Yeah. Yeah. So you can put the tail end on there and be like... Actually, just for a... You just keep saying the word brownie. 
Yeah. You're oh. talking about brownie points mm. and you keep saying it and I'm just, my mouth is watering and mm-hmm. now I'm thinking back to our addiction question and, <laughs> <laughs> and how I need to work on that. But Well, you took uh, Layla. Well, I need to go get a cup of coffee, Katie. It's time to quit. <laughs> you took Layla speaking. out for a girl's day for her birthday and mm-hmm. she brought pieces of a brownie home for us and I was very excited about that. (laughs) That was not a small brownie. I told her, I said, don't eat that whole thing, please. (laughs) So it wasn't out of the kindness of her heart? No, she she did choose to share. I was very impressed. I think there was more brownie that she brought home, but I think Aiden got to it first. So I was like, well, you shared this piece with us? No, she only ate a little bit. Oh, okay. Because she also had other junk food. So. Yeah. But all right. Well, now that you're all hungry, go go partake of something delicious and uh, we will see you next time. If you're looking for uh, our favorite recipe, ask my mom. And uh, Actually, every year for my birthday, I don't want cake. I ask for like a box of Pillsbury brownies. Like I'm the cheapest birthday. Just give me that $1.88 brownie mix. You guys are really seeing that I, I am addicted to sugar. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, well, your brain's addicted. Okay. Well, <laughs> all right. We're shutting this train down. So we'll we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening to Life Exchange. We'll be back next week with more conversation on topics of life and leadership. Until next time, be sure to check out our website at givinglight.org where you can learn more about our church and access loads of resources to help you grow in your walk with God and people. If you like what you heard today, we'd be grateful if you would leave a five-star review and share with your friends. Be blessed. Remember to shine your light and have a great week. Thank you.